It's the Game Day Tailgate Show with Black and Abdallah on the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. It's the pregame show. Getting you ready for our network pregame show with Sylvie Lance and Dion inside Gato at Soldier Field. Coming up at 1.30, Chris Black, Tyler Aki with the pre-pre show. Getting you ready for Bears and Cardinals right here on ESPN 1000. If you want to join us, you can call us at 312-332-3776. The Cardinals come in to today at 3-11, and one of the worst teams in the NFL, Tyler. The Bears are 5-9. and A bit of a crossroads. I think most people are out on the head coaching staff, the offensive coordinator, the quarterback. There's a chance and an opportunity here in the final three weeks for the Bears to win a couple of games. I don't know if it's really going to change the perception in many people's heads as we kind of move forward towards the end of the season. But it did feel like in the city, there's a bit of a vibe this week, especially up at Hallis Hall, that uh, Luke Getze is to blame mm-hmm. for a lot of the issues with the offense. Uh, did you did you catch that oh, throughout yeah. the week? It mm-hmm. felt like this week was... Well, this week, you know, the week before that. Week you, before you, that. You, uh, you blow the game against the, uh, the Browns late, and then this week was Luke Getze should get fired week. Mm-hmm. Th- that's what it's felt like uh, the last couple of days in uh, Bears land up at Hallis Hall. Yeah, and, and for the people out there that are these staunch Justin needs to be back defenders, a lot of it is because they believe the quarterbacks made progress, right? And there has been some progress made with Justin Fields. It hasn't been yeah. all bad this year, but I think it kind of works in tandem. Like Justin Fields and Luke Getzey, a lot of their success and failures should be tied together. And I just think that you can't point to quarterback development or lack thereof and say it's solely on the quarterback or it's solely on the offensive coordinator. I think blame and praise has to go hand in hand because those are the guys who have the tightest relationship within the building in terms of making the offense click. So when Justin does well, sure, Justin deserves a lot of the credit, but you never hear Luke Getze get any of the praise. And when Justin does poorly... You always hear it's all on Luke Getze in that case. And, like, there are certain instances, I think back to, like, the fourth and one play last week. That play was pretty good. It was well set up. Justin, if he makes one guy miss, gets the first down there. If he throws it to DJ Moore, it's maybe even a touchdown there. So I think there are certain instances where Luke Getze has actually done some good things and maybe doesn't get the credit for it because it doesn't end up in points because there's a drop pass and, like, Justin has made some great passes. The play to Robert Tunyon was a great pass. That's obviously on Robert Tunyon. He's got to pull that ball in. But some of these plays are drawn up by Luke Getze, and they're in the right spots at the right time, but it's just not executed. There does seem to be a lot of, uh, with the coaching staff and with Luke Getze and Eberflus too, a lot of the, the plays were called correctly, yet the execution is not there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that that goes on. It's yeah. like, well, if... If this would have happened on the play, if this one player would have made this one guy miss, mm-hmm. this, that, and the other, that the play, there's yardage out there to be had. Mm-hmm. It's yet, each time, the yardage isn't taken. You See what I'm saying? Like, other teams excel in those spots. Mm-hmm. But the Bears are still in the situation of, like, pointing to, well, execution should be better, This, but the calls were right. And I, I think that's where you can find, like, maybe it's a disconnect because you have a defensive-minded head coach who's not really involved in the offensive. Well, especially when he's the defensive play caller, right. too. And, and in, in-game 
calls of the play. Here, here's Matt Eberflus on Wednesday talking about his relationship with Luke, Luke Etsy. And uh, I, I uh, talked about that on Monday a little bit briefly. And, uh, you know, I'll go back to what I said there. You know, during the week, of course, you know, when we're doing first and second down, moving through third down uh, into the red zone, I'm always interjecting uh, ideas and, and looking um, at the plan and, and making sure that we're on point in terms of the protections, in terms of the routes, in terms of the run game and all those areas. Um, and then during the game, same thing. The same thing during critical downs. We'll meet um, on the headset, you know, hey, it's a green light here on this fourth and one to four or fourth and one in the quad zone or wherever it might be. You know, what are the plays? Uh, he gives me the a few plays, you know, that we've already talked about on Saturday of those critical downs. And, uh, you know, I might say, hey, I like that one over this one. or And, uh, you know, you feel confident about that? Yes, I feel great about it. And then we go with it. But uh, there's constant communication uh, during the course of the week and constant communication uh, during the game. So there's communication, but it sounds as if the game plan is built throughout the week. Eberflus is aware, but in the moment, he's not necessarily a part of the play calling taking place right. in those spots. Uh, here's Eberflus earlier in the week talking about evaluating his offense. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking at that, you know, in a whole, in terms of the expectations, you want to focus on what we're going to do this week, you know. And, uh, you know, we've had some improvements uh, during the course of the year on all sides of the ball. And uh, it's critical that we focus on being the best we can be this week, you know, against this opponent uh, right here, right now, and have our feet right here. And then Eberflus evaluating Luke Etsy, the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, um, I love Luke. He's, he's, a, he's a great leader, you know, in terms of the, in the room. And, you know, and then, like I said, I'll evaluate everything at the end. Uh, we're constantly evaluating things every single day. Um, so today after practice, like normal, we'll meet. We'll talk about this play, that play. Hey, we like this one. Let's try to do it this way or let's correct, make this correction there. So it's constant communication, like I said, during the course of the week and then into the game. You know, when, when I think about this situation, Tyler, uh, I think it was on Thursday, the opening segment of the show. I had uh, this opening segment that was like talking about the blame pie. Mm-hmm. If, if you want to put out the blame for the offense not getting to where it needs to be this season, where would you place out the percentages of who gets blame? I, I think there's four clear-cut options. Uh, you could blame the offensive coordinator, Luke Etsy. You mm-hmm. could blame Justin Fields. You could blame the offensive line. And I think you can blame the skill position players yeah. outside of DJ Moore and Cole Komet. Mm-hmm. I was going to just say DJ Moore, but then I went and looked it up. Cole Komet is having a better season this year than he had last year. Yeah. I was surprised at that. Good for Cole Komet. And I was wrong with my perception. I looked it up. The facts suggest he's having a better season. So the skill position guys who are not Moore or Komet, how would you kind of label that out? I think what's going to take place is that the majority of blame is going to be placed on the play caller and the offensive coordinator. And that is if they bring back uh, Eberflus and they bring back Fields, I think they will absolutely be looking for a new offensive coordinator for next season. Yeah, I I can't imagine. And I don't think it'd be a very appealing job either because, again, your employment is tied to the head coaches, right? So if the head coach gets fired and if next year doesn't go better and the head coach is back, then, all right, well, you're probably out of a job as well. So in terms of if you were to delegate blame here, I'm probably going about, like, I think Justin Fields and Luke Getzey are equally culpable. I think you kind of have to put them in the same bucket. So I'll go about what is that like 35 percent a piece there okay and then i'll parse 15 to each the skill players and the offensive line i think there's been instances where the offensive line has held up clean pockets for justin to go out and and make 
a throw down the field, and we've seen instances where also Justin is out there extending plays as well and using his legs and using one of his one-of-one type of traits as well. So I think it's both. I think they've been given the opportunity to make big plays, and we just haven't. We've seen balls go through guys' hands. We've seen balls thrown out of bounds when there is a guy open. We've seen guys miss down the field. I think, though, that you kind of have to put the offensive line and the skill positions outside of uh, – more and commit equally and i think you have to put the equal blame on the coach as well as the quarterback so now tyler do that for the browns game specifically because i i think the browns game and the vikings game the reason the offense struggled was because the offensive line couldn't block mm-hmm. you know like the browns game to me the biggest issue were skill position players let the quarterback down and mm-hmm. let the offense down yeah. And then the offensive line couldn't stop anyone from getting through. Mm-hmm. And, and with those two things, that's why you had the play that you saw from Justin Fields. And I think it's also why you saw the play calling from Getze. I'm not putting the Browns loss on either Getze or Fields. I think it's offensive line skill position guys for that game. I will say, yes, I think that they would probably take more of the, the blame in that particular game there. But there's still some pivotal moments where if you kind of... Yeah, I mean, if you if wait you, it out, like Fields doesn't trip on that fourth and short, and I'm not blaming him like for tripping. Get, I think that's a good defensive play there. Yeah, but it's not like DJ Moore wasn't open down the field, and we heard uh, Matt Eberflus go out and say he has the option to pass there as well. Um, and I also think that Luke Getze, for whatever reason, has made life extremely difficult on this team on fourth and one. Yeah, I mean. I'm, we talk all the time about the tush push in Philly, right? Yeah. This team is the second best at it. And it has the probably second best personnel in terms of the quarterback to do it. Because Justin Fields, I know everyone likes to talk about his speed and all that. To me, the most impressive attribute that he has as a runner is his strength. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Tyler. And uh, I can't do it today. But last week on this show, I was yelling that <laughs> the offensive line needs to push forward Mm -hmm. in short yarded situations enough with all the crap behind the line of scrimmage the the little handoffs the Mm -hmm. sweeps to wide receivers the the all the crap behind the line scores push forward like you said you have a quarterback who's strong you have an offensive line that runs blocks well just sneak forward you've got run forward i can't i can't yell today (laughs) i can't do it i'll do it for you push Push forward. forward you have a you have a fullback on the roster. Yeah. Use him. Yeah. And, like, and what like, is going on here? You've got a quarterback with that ability who, I mean, we see it with all these other teams. They're running quarterback sneaks effectively. Aye, I think the Jaguars aye. have done a pretty good job of it with Trevor Lawrence. When you've got a guy with that size and that level of strength that Justin Fields has, third and one and fourth and one should be the easiest plays in your playbook. Think about it. People are tailgating right now. They know what I'm talking about because they're in the South lot and they remember Cole Komet against the Packers mm-hmm. in a big spot in the first quarter on your first drive of the season, yeah. under center. Mm-hmm. What in the hell are you doing? Yeah. You know that, what? That's idiotic play calling. Yeah. It it's, makes it's horrendous. It makes no sense. Push like, forward yeah. with your quarterback and then hand it off with a running back and a fullback and get momentum and push forward. You've got power on this team. It's you've crazy. Got a lot. You've got a fullback. You've got Deontay Foreman, who's a very powerful runner. You've got Justin Fields. It's wild. Like and Roshan Johnson runs angry like he runs with some power as well like you've got so many options but how many times have we seen on fourth and one those guys get the ball or third and one right those guys are the ones with the no. ball not very often I said tyler scott yeah who he looks like the wind's gonna blow him away 
Right. right? Like, like <laughs> yeah. get someone with something uh, on the backside. <laughs> right. that can, they give a little weight to it, right? Like, I mean, what are you doing? I don't understand the cutesy play calling on fourth and third and short. Mm-hmm. It is stupid. Push forward. You win football games that way. Let the offensive line be aggressive and angry and and run block in the in the short yard situations. It, it's crazy. And by the way. As we're sitting here on State Street, looking out at uh, beautiful State Street on Christmas Eve, as the Bears get ready for a game at 325, the sun is out right now. Mm -hmm. It looks like the greatest day ever outside. It looks like it's cleared up. And I will say, you look at some of the defensive specs for this Arizona Cardinals defense, they are the worst in pressure and quarterback knockdowns. Justin Fields is going to have time to throw. I know that Tevin Jenkins isn't going to be out there today. He's out today with a concussion. He's one of your maulers up front. Justin Fields is going to have time to throw today. It would not shock me if we see him throw for 300 yards today, just because Whoa. the situation is set up oh, for that. No. Now, what well, are you doing there, Tyler? I think part it's of it changed the the thought process on on Fields. I do think though that we we do have to see what the fog level is like at the at the stadium because I know I saw a picture from Cassie Carlson from Fox and it looked pretty foggy out there. So. <laughs> Maybe, uh, hopefully it's cleared up. It, it looks substantially better here from just the hour, hour and a half that we've been sitting down here. It seems like it's gotten better, but I do think that if, if things, if conditions are clear and you're going to see a, a game plan that is tailored to it, I do think you could see Justin Fields throw for a, a pretty high total today. I don't know about you. I'm going to wait for the Courtney Cronin empty stadium picture. Okay, I'll, I'll wait as when, well. When Courtney gets there, mm-hmm. she'll send a picture out. You know, you know, it's I know Courtney. Be an empty stadium. I'm going to wait for Courtney's All picture, right. and we'll we'll see. We'll, we'll evaluate get, that. Get to the bottom of this. But if you're tailgating right now, you're in the South Lot. You're uh, you're out by the Adler Planetarium. You're tailgating. I mean, you could not ask for a better day for a football game at the end of December. I mean, no. th- this is the perfect weather. I mean, there are people walking by our studio not wearing jackets. Yeah. I almost didn't wear a jacket today. Yeah, I mean, it, it is beautiful outside. So, uh, yeah, Bears and Cardinals uh, coming up at 325. We'll have the game right here on ESPN 1000. At 1.30, we'll have the network pregame show with Sylvie, Lance, and Dion inside Gate O at Soldier Field. If you're going to the game, make sure you stop by and say hello. All you have to do, walk inside Gate O, and as you head up the stairs, the Dr. Pepper stage is right there to the left. Go on and see the pregame show that starts at 1.30. Chris Black, Tyler Aki filling in for Adam Abdallah today. We have more Bears Cardinals pregame coming up next. Chicago Bears pregame. Pregame. It's the game day tailgate show with Black and Abdallah on the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. It's the pre pre show. Chris Black with Tyler Aki hanging out. Abdallah's uh, off for the holiday. Merry Christmas to everyone. Celebrates Christmas Eve today. And the Bears host the Cardinals. Two of the uh, long-standing franchises in NFL history. Tyler, earlier in the show, you mentioned to me that like, if you're a Bears fan, like some people would suggest that this would be the old-school pick to be a replacement for Bears fandom because the Cardinals originated from Chicago and they were here in the state of Illinois. Um, unfortunately, they've been almost, uh, if not as bad as the Bears, they've absolutely been worse in their history's run. 
Uh, so like that, that's the one thing that if you're a fan looking for a different team, you're probably not going to pick a team that's never been good. <laughs> right. What the the Cardinals with, with have terrible had the, ownership. Right. They've had the one Super Bowl run against yeah. the the Steelers with that Kurt I can Warner. Remember. Yeah, with Kurt Warner. Yeah, but I do think but, they have a clean helmet. You like the bird? I like the bird. You like I, the bird? I, I, and also, like I think um, you know the white helmets uh, usually pop. Like when a team has a like the Dolphins is mm-hmm. always a clean helmet. I think yeah. the Colts have a nice helmet. Yeah, you know, a little little helmet talk. Okay, <laughs> um, I. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of like the cardinal uniform. It's clean. The, it's the clean, red or the the white. I, well, I think, if they go all white, that's a that's a clean. Yeah, with I, the rim, I will the, say the this. red trim. It's very hard to mess up an NFL uniform. Yeah, I, some teams right now are doing too much. Like Tennessee, you're doing too much with all that with stuff. All the, where they have the like sword panel mm-hmm. on the on the, on the sleeves. I don't I don't like that. But if, if they went back to the old school, like the Oilers, the Oilers like they did ones, last week, yeah. mm-hmm. those are classic. A lot of teams. Their classic looks are, are actually better yes. than what they're currently running with. Like Seattle. Seattle's classic uniforms Amazing. are nicer mm-hmm. than their current unis. Yeah, I think the, the simpler you make an NFL uniform, the better. Like wh- I think the Steelers, when they go with the black with yeah. the gold numbers, amazing. Steelers are good. Uh, the Browns today, uh, they, they've got a clean look going. I, mm-hmm. The Browns, even so simple, but I think it looks good. Let's take a look around the National Football League. Right, it's week 16. We're getting you ready for the Bears and the Cardinals right here on ESPN 1000. 325 kickoff at Soldier Field. Some action around the league in week 16. The noon kickoffs are in the mid first quarter at the moment. Colts, Falcons, seven apiece. Seven minutes left in the first quarter of that one, which is, you know, this is one of those games that I'm surprised the Colts are eight and six. Yeah. That's wild. I mean, that's where you talk about coaching, right? Yeah. Like, you bring in an offensive head coach, and I think part of it also is Gardner Minshew as a backup is about as good as it gets, too. I mean, he's a guy who's probably, if there's an empty, like a quarterback draft, he's not outside the top 32 if you're drafting through every single quarterback. He's just not good enough to be in that, like, top 20. I agree with you, and that's also Colts-Falcons is a backup against backup matchup. Yeah. You have Minshew and you have Heineke going head-to-head. Seahawks, Titans, five minutes left in the first quarter. No score in that one. The Lions are on the board, even though Minnesota is driving. They're in the red zone. It's 7-0 Lions with three minutes left to go in the first quarter of that action. Yeah, that, that divisional matchup there. I mean, the Vikings, you have to look at a couple of coaches throughout the NFL and what they've done this season. Like, the coach of the year race is really fascinating. It's not talked about at all, but, like, yeah. Kevin Stefanski Doing for the Browns job. has to be in there, but Kevin O'Connell, too. The fact that they've run through three quarterbacks now at this point is amazing. It's wild. The Jets lead 10-0 on the Commanders. Ten minutes left in the first quarter of that one. Packers and Panthers. Green Bay leads 7-0 with 7.30 left in the first quarter. Ball with the Panthers at the moment. Green Bay needs to win, and they need to keep winning if they're going to make the playoffs. Well, not just that, but it also helps out the Chicago Bears if the Packers win today because the Panthers pick, of course, whole is in the hands of the Chicago Bears. We mentioned the Cleveland Browns and their uh, slick-looking unis today. Uh, they lead 7-0 on the Texans with 6.55 left in the first quarter of that game. And those are all the noon kickoffs. Yesterday, there were two games in the NFL. The Steelers beat the Bengals 34-11, to and the Bills... At night, beat the Chargers 24-22. That Chargers team is not very good. The Bills are rolling at the moment. 
Uh, so you have two games from yesterday. The Rams beat the Saints on Thursday. And then later on today, there are three games in the later window, the 3 o'clock window. Jacksonville at Tampa. Cardinals-Bears, which is the game everyone here in the city will be paying attention to. And then a great game, Cowboys and Dolphins at 325. Yeah, I mean, the the slate is thin today in terms of like quality games that are out there. But that Cowboys-Dolphins game is going to be fantastic. You've got two high-flying offenses and two defenses that can kind of be game-breakers at times, too, and make some plays for you and get you good field position. The night game tonight, New England will face off against Denver. That's a 7-15 game. And Denver is a favorite by seven points. They're trying to make the playoffs, Tyler. And this is a team that has really turned their season around. Russell Wilson, Sean Payton, things have really come together in the last few weeks. It's amazing what happens when you get the right coach in there. And I think Sean Payton is another one of those names. I mean, think about the laughable losses that they had earlier in the season. Of course, letting up 70 points to the Miami Dolphins and then blowing the game against the Commanders. That was also before that as well. Like, there were some really embarrassing losses that they had early on, but now you're seeing that this Broncos team is it like has something. They they've beaten the Chiefs this year. Like they could win this division if things break their way a little bit. Tomorrow on Christmas Day, there are three games in the NFL. The noon game would be Raiders at Kansas City, Giants and Eagles at 3:30, and then the night game, the best game of the week, Ravens at 49ers, 7:15 Christmas night. Tomorrow night. Ravens 49. That's going to be an awesome All game. All one up you. Not the best game of the week, best game of the year. Best I mean, game of the year. Yeah, it's got, a Super Bowl preview. Yes, and, and it very well could be these two teams because right now they look like a step ahead of their competition in their respective conferences right now. San Francisco's probably like three steps ahead, it feels like. Baltimore's like one or two right now. My thing with the Ravens is that they play some close games on the road. And for a team that's 11-3, and three, You'd expect some of these road games to be larger margins of victory for them. And even though last time they were on the road against Jacksonville, it was 23-7. to But how many times did Jacksonville just kind of throw up on themselves yeah. inside the red zone, inside the 30-yard line of opponent territory? They did many times. And as we were uh, updating the scores around the NFL, Minnesota punches it in. So Vikings-Lions tied at 7. 251 left in the first quarter of that one. Black and Aki here. ESPN 1000, Bears pre-pre-show as we're getting ready for week 16 in the National Football League. Uh, we did have Bears breaking news yesterday, Tyler, mm-hmm. yeah. as there was a extension for Bears kicker Cairo Santos, worth $16 million, sources tell ESPN and Adam Schefter. So a four-year extension, uh, $16 million, includes $9.5 million guaranteed. Congrats to Cairo Santos. A kicker that just got a four-year deal for 16 mil who can't kick beyond 50 yards. Yeah, so now... What are we doing here? In in reality, it is a two-year, $9.5 million contract. You can get out of the contract after two years. But, you know, we can talk... We talked a little bit last segment about how would you delegate blame to what the Bears were doing last week. And I think we didn't bring up special teams there. And I get they were kicking into the wind and all that stuff at the end of the first half. But for Cairo Santos, like there was the whole discussion of why did they throw a Hail Mary at the end of the first half? Why didn't they kick a 55-yard field goal? And right. I get there's wind, right? But that wasn't my problem that they didn't kick the 55-yard field goal, although I would have at least attempted it there. My problem was they were eight yards away from his target line. 
If you are in a bad weather situation and it is a 47-yard field goal as your max, which, by the way, in the fourth quarter, if you had needed a field goal there at the end like they did, and you could only kick it from 47 yards, that's a problem. And I look at kickers around the league, how many guys who have career longs right now of 60-plus in the NFL. There's 14 kickers in the league right now with career longs of 60-plus. Cairo Santos is 55. And to not even be able to attempt a 55-yarder, even with some elements. Like, I look back to what happened with the Bills and Eagles game. Remember the kick that Jake Elliott made? There was some weather there, all right? And he was still money from, I think it was 59 yards in that game. So, I just, I don't understand. Listen, he's the most accurate kicker in Bears history. He's been fantastic at Soldier Field. But in this day and age of kicking, you need a guy with a big leg, uh, even we, if you sacrifice a little bit of accuracy. With, you, with your point, yes, he, he's the most accurate kicker in Bears history. There are seven guys ahead of him this season who have higher percentages. Mm-hmm. Well, kicking right now is at like its all-time yeah. best. This is the second most accurate year of kicking he's in NFL seventh. history. He's seventh best in the league. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like, uh, you know, and I give credit. He, he's gone 27 of 29. His long is 55 yards. Uh, he's been perfect in anything 40 in. Uh, his only misses were from 40 to 50, uh, 40 to 49. Everything else, he's been perfect. And and actually, this season, 50 plus, he's gone six for six. Mm-hmm. But I think but part- to to your point, you need a weapon who late in the game, if you can get in range, 52, 53, 55. You got to be able to have you, someone who can who give it a run. You need a guy who can you can throw him out there for a sixty yarder in this day and age of football. Uh, it, whether it's controlled, like you play two opponents, yeah, that are in a dome every single year. You know, like you should be able to attempt a sixty yarder inside a dome. And I think you talk about the accuracy that he has, but it's also partially because I don't think the coaches give him a chance to fail. They don't give him a chance to. All right, let's see how good your leg really is in this game here. They put him in a situation to succeed every single time, so the numbers probably look a little bit better than maybe what his true ability is. Now, today, it's uh, I'm seeing for the weather like 12 to 15 mile per hour winds on the lake front. So we'll see if Are you getting them at an end zone or just left to right? I don't know. Um, can we get a flag report from a the flag report? Yeah, let's if anyone's what, uh, at the stadium, let's see what the weather channel. Yeah, it's a it's a channel that brings you weather information. Let's mm. see what they say about that. <laughs> because um, yeah, like the southeast winds is southeast. what I'm seeing. Southeast. Okay, so the, you're going to get a you when you're heading to the south end zone. Yeah, you're going to get a little bit of a bump. So we'll see what happens. That, that might, might a little swirl. Might yeah, be a little, little swirl yeah. in the stadium. Who knows? I mean, the weather's been weird today. There's it no is. doubt about that. I mean, there, it's 51 degrees. There was a kid that walked by like five minutes ago that was wearing a T-shirt. Yeah. That's it. Just a T-shirt. Uh, he, he was out celebrating uh, Christmas Eve in just a T-shirt. Just a T-shirt. Having fun. Him. Looking at the lights. Yeah. Enjoying the downtown area. <laughs> uh, Black and Aki, it's the Bears pre-pre-show. We're getting you ready for the Bears and the Cardinals. The new home of the Bears. It's the Game Day Tailgate Show with Jacob Abdallah on the new home of the Chicago Bears. ESPN Chicago. Chris Black, Tyler Aki, Bears pre-pre-show here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. We're under an hour for the network pregame with Sylvie, Lance, and Dion. Go see them inside Gato. If you're at the game, 
If you're tailgating in the south lot, north end zone, you're having a great time. The weather is beautiful. The sun is out, shining on the Chicago Theater right now. People are out in the city. Uh, it should be a great game, uh, at least weather-wise. Two yeah. teams that uh, hopefully Fields and Eberflus and the Bears play well tonight. We know the defense will probably show up today against a bad Cardinals team, uh, but it looks like it'll be a great day. Stop on by, see Sylvie and Lance and Dion inside Gate O with our network pregame show that starts at one thirty. Yeah, beautiful day out in the city. Beautiful day just to hang out, watch the guys and and girls out there. Like it's going to be a great day for football yeah. condition wise. And I have started to see more and more pictures of Soldier Field. It looks like oh, it, all the fog's have? cleared out. No, no fog. No fog. So we're fog in a good alert. spot there. And I'm still going to wait for my picture from Courtney. I'll, I'll, I'll wait as well. That'll be the official verdict that we get there. <laughs> but the it looks like you're going to have a pretty ideal day for throwing the football because it's going to be 54 degrees. You did bring up the wind a Let's little see. bit. You know, Jason McKee usually takes care of a good uh, picture. What's J-Mac got for us today? No, no, no stadium picture yet. No stadium from picture J-Mac. yet. It's, you right. know, maybe it's like a 3.30, right. like, sleepy All right. start. All right. Sort of <laughs> with, the, with the stadium picks No, today. not on Tom Thayer's watch. You know, Thayer was there at 6 a.m. walking <laughs> the field. He'll get there the same yeah. time for a noon kick no, versus a, a 3.30. Think, honestly, I think he and Joniak have talked about that. I think he's Do talked they, they about that. They get there at the, the same I, time, I, I think no matter so. what? That's great. I think so. I, ask Sylvie. Next time okay. you see Sylvie, ask mm-hmm. him, because I'm pretty sure there's talked about that, because he's routine-oriented. He yeah. still needs to get there at the same mm-hmm. time. I love it. I That's like great. That. Yep. I, I totally I feel that. I'm routine-oriented so as well. So am I. So, like, today, th- th- this show is usually on from 8 to 10 a.m. Right. But today, we started at 11, and we go to 1.30. It's like... You have to think about, like, what time am I leaving? When am I getting there? What am I doing? Do I go? Is the traffic going to be different yeah, at this time? Traffic, like, do, you know, and the, the Starbucks is closed down here, which is uh-huh. crazy because downtown is packed. There yeah. are people it's everywhere. Christmas Eve. No, like, people are shopping. It, it, there's a lot of people down here Stuff today. Stuff happening. So. Uh, Tyler, we talked about Cairo Santos getting a new contract yesterday. Mm-hmm. There's another Bears player who talked about that earlier in the week. Jalen Johnson, he's having a great year, yes. and he is a player that I think deserves a new contract, and he spoke this week in the locker room about his contract negotiations with the front office and with the Chicago Bears. Here's Jalen Johnson from earlier this week. Uh, I'd definitely say I added, added some money to the, to, I feel like, the value, I would say, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's a situation that I feel like is somewhat out of my hands, but I mean, we're going to see how, how it goes. That was part of what you wanted to do, though from what you said was kind of bet on yourself to yeah. put yourself in even a better negotiating position. Yeah, I've done that. two more guys. I'm hitting you with Mark and Marjorie. They came to you in January with an offer. Would you listen or would you want to hear from others? No, I mean, I want to stay here. So, I mean, definitely want to get something done first. Um, but at the end of the day, if something doesn't get done, I'm not opposed to anything, any other option. But, I mean, I would, I would love to stay here. So, that's that. So, if you got an offer that you were satisfied with, you wouldn't need to hear comp- competing offers or anything. Nah, I'll be good. What is it about being in the mix? That's all I know. Honestly, just uh, couldn't see myself anywhere else. I mean, it's easy to just say, oh, you want out of somewhere until you, until you get it. And then say, oh, that's not, that may not be quite what I want. But, I mean, honestly, for me, just wanting to stay here and I wanted to, I feel like, make that transition now. And I feel like we're doing something special, too, especially the guys in the locker room. I mean, it's something that I, I don't think I can get anywhere else. I would like to stay in that, continue to build, make it better. And I want to win some games and get to the playoffs, make a, make a push with the Chicago name, too. 
So there you go. Jalen Johnson at his locker during open locker room throughout the week. You heard uh, Jason Leisure, um, some other, I think Patrick Finley mm-hmm. was in there. Um, I like what he said there. It, it, I think it's unrealistic that if he hears what he wants to hear, he doesn't need to go on the open market. I think after having the season that he's had, I think it's beneficial for him to be on the open market and to see if someone's going to overpay for him. I would like to see Jalen Johnson return in a Bears uniform next year, and I hope Ryan Poles takes care of a guy who was drafted here to play in this defense to be here for a long time. I I think he deserves it. He rewarded Cole Komet earlier this season uh, with uh, essentially in the same timeline that that Jalen Johnson's on. I would like to see Johnson get that money. I'm right there with you. And he's been one of the best cover corners in the NFL this year. His interceptions are up this year. He's made some game-breaking plays. He probably should even have a few more interceptions if he could come down with the ball in certain instances. But I think this is actually one of Ryan Poles' biggest off-season priorities. You know, everyone's going to talk about, oh, go out and get a center, get out another receiver, maybe some help in the secondary. Yeah. No, I think this is the biggest sort of priority that you have to you've got a star in the making in your building right now you should reward that and bring back guys on these second contracts who deserve it and i think jalen johnson is a prime example i did notice one thing that he mentioned there about how the grass isn't always greener on the other side and i think a lot of that has to do with remember when he demand or requested the trade and ryan poles granted his camp permission to go out and seek a trade and I think he kind of saw what his market value was. Now, I think he's done stuff since that trade request to improve his standing within the league as a cover corner across football. But I do think he kind of maybe got a cold dose of water there. And maybe he saw, okay, my numbers isn't exactly what the rest of the league, let alone the Bears, thinks of what I am. Okay, uh, could we go down this path? Could Ryan Poles look at this and suggest... Maybe I don't need to pay Jalen Johnson because Tyreek Stevenson is clearly a star in the making player. Mm -hmm. He has shown up as a rookie, as a guy who can make game changing plays. That interception last week where he was covering two guys Mm -hmm. and then he broke on the football diving catch to save a touchdown from the Browns. I mean, that was stellar. You got him. You drafted him. Mm -hmm. You also drafted Terrell Smith who they like, and he's a rookie, who's played mm-hmm. some some percentage of snaps when guys have been missing, either Gordon or Johnson or even uh, some of the others in the secondary, Jackson or Brisker. Could you look at the position and say, I have depth. I drafted two rookies last year who are giving me something. I have Kyler Gordon. I need to remove uh, the free safety. I need to, mm-hmm. I absolutely need to upgrade free safety. That's an Eddie Jackson spot. I, right. I doubt Jackson's going to be back next, se- mm-hmm. next season. Do you say, I'll trust that I can draft corners and just draft another guy to fill in behind Smith and hope that the progression that Stevenson and Smith make is like the progression that Jalen Johnson has made to this point is? Clear? No, absolutely not. Because you have a potential star in your building And if you are in the mode where the Bears are right now, where you could make some noise, maybe get to the playoffs next year, and you're building something on defense, like there's pieces there now, I absolutely want to keep one of my best defensive players on the roster. Like This is not a Roquan Smith, uh, Robert Quinn situation right now. You have to go out and reward a guy who has played like a star this year in Jalen Johnson. And I think on top of that, too, 
when you look at the way that the NFL is right now with the passing game at being utilized as at an astronomical level in comparison to years past, you need guys that can cover receivers. How many teams now do we see with two number one receivers on their yeah. team? Yeah, you, right? need, you, need- you need cover corners across the board, and you need depth. So Terrell Smith, he may be a good player in this league, but to have him as a depth piece, especially on a rookie deal right now where he's cheap, I think you go out and reward Jalen Johnson for the performance that he's had on the field this year because he's been one of your best players on defense in a year where this defense could have absolutely folded with the way that the season began. He's Tyler Aki. I'm Chris Black. Aki's filling in for Abdallah today. It's the pre-pre-show, Bears and Cardinals. You can listen to the game right here on ESPN 1000 at 325. ESPN Chicago. Chicago. It's, it's the game day tailgate show with Black and Abdallah on the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. Today for the Bears and the Cardinals, 325 on the lakefront. Beautiful weather. The Bears looking for their sixth win of the season, facing off against the Arizona Cardinals, who entered today's matchup at 3 and 11. Chris Black, Tyler Aki in the pre pre show here on ESPN 1000. Week 16 in the NFL. Let's take a look at the current scores. Around the National Football League, Colts and Falcons tied at seven early second quarter. Seahawks trailing the Titans. Did I see a a, a Henry touchdown throw? Your eyes did not deceive you. Seven nothing Titans over the Seahawks early second quarter. Fourteen minutes left in that one. Lions and Vikings early second quarter. That game is tied at seven as well. How about this? The early blowout score Ooh. of the day. The Jets are up seventeen to nothing. Over the lowly commanders of Washington. 248 left in the first quarter of that one. That's a season that has spiraled out of control, Washington. Well, it's a head coach that's going to get fired. Mm -hmm. It's a brand new owner who has deep pockets Mm -hmm. who's going to go get a big fish in the offseason. Yeah. If you're a Bears fan and you have dreams of the best name on the market being your head football coach, Washington has money, and they're going to go after someone. It's weird because we always talk about who are who's the best landing spot for a coach right now this offseason if yeah. the Bears are going to be in that market. And you think, all right, well, there's a lot of infrastructure in place here with the Bears. You've got the number one overall pick. You're probably going to have another top five to seven draft pick as well on top of that. But it's like, all right, can you match up with, with what the commanders are going to do Financially, And can you match up with what the Chargers are going to do in terms of your quarterback situation? It doesn't get much better than that for a first-time head coach or for a new head coach to come in there and take over with Justin Herbert. There's plenty of talent on that roster. You know, and as of right now, uh, the Commanders have lost five in a row. They're sitting fourth in projected uh, draft order. Uh, If they continue to lose, you know... Arizona's still trying to win games. Yeah. New England, not. I mean, New England's so bad, and it seems like that's ending that relationship, yeah. Belichick and mm-hmm. the, the Kraft family. Uh, but Washington is gunning for that top spot. They want to lose more, and they could be in the mix for a quarterback. Sam Howell is not the guy for the future for them. So maybe a Drake May. Maybe it's uh, maybe they want to mortgage the future for someone like Caleb Williams. Who yeah. knows? Mm-hmm. We'll find out. So we're uh, we're looking at that game right now. 17 nothing Jets 
over the Commanders. A minute 27 left in the first quarter. Green Bay leads the Panthers 13-10. Carolina just scored, so it's now 13-10. Ten minutes left in the second quarter of that contest. And the Browns lead the Texans 7-0. 13-36 left in the second quarter. That's the action. The noon kicks around the NFL. There's three games later today. Jacksonville, Tampa at 3.05. Arizona, Chicago at 3.25. You'll listen to it right here on ESPN 1000. And at 3.25 also, Dallas, Miami. Two 10-win teams facing off in Miami. That's going to be a very good game. That's a super entertaining game. We'll hopefully see Tyreek Hill back for that one as well. I think there's a lot of optimism that he does play in that game there after missing last week, but uh, those are two high-flying offenses right there, and they're kind of like the second fiddle teams right now in their respective conferences, trying to prove something. And then who knows? Maybe you, you can catch one of the the favorites because they they play on Monday. Maybe you catch them in the playoffs in the right situation. But these are two teams. They are the two lowest strength of victory playoff teams in all of the NFL right now. If the season were to end today, specifically the Dolphins, who are sitting at like a three ten right now in terms of strength of victory. So that is one of the lowest that you'll find, especially for a 10-4 and four team. And there you go. There's your uh, scores from around the National Football League. Week 16 as we get you ready for Bears and Cardinals on the lakefront at 325. Hopefully today for those of you going to the stadium, maybe in living rooms around the city, but obviously in the stadium, you hear a lot of Bear Down Chicago Bears today. It's our glorious fight song. Uh, you like to stand and cheer when touchdowns are had. If it's field goals only, uh, not the same. Not quite the same. Uh, here on the show, Tyler, each week as we get ready for Bears football, we like to look at the history around the National Football League. And with the Cardinals, they have a long-standing history. You know, the Chicago Cardinals date back to a long time ago, uh, one of the original teams. And, you know, they have songs. Uh, it's in it. For the Cardinals to win is a song that goes back to 1941. Uh, deep internet research yesterday could not find that song. You couldn't put in a, a call to NFL Films? Could, could not find that song. There's also a song that they had uh, as the Chicago Cardinals called Hail Chicago Cardinals. Uh, again, deep internet research. That song also date back to the 40s. Uh, that song, not on the internet. I Listen, I Googled long and hard on mm-hmm. this. I worked way into the deep into the night trying to find hail chicago cardinals Mm -hmm. song is not out there what i did find though is one song that dates back to the 60s this is the cardinals are charging this is what the arizona cardinals dating back to the 1960s they were in st louis at the time It's not. What's the like the beginning notes of that are from another song? All right, just it's all, ten seconds song. left here. Let, let's give it a. Hopefully, we don't hear this anywhere. Right, the Cardinals are charging from the sixties. Pretty lame. Uh, here's the the start of it again for you, Tyler. You're right. You're right. Here's another song. They stole this. This is stolen valor. Yeah, you're right. 100%. And then it changes there. Yeah. That's lame. We want to hear this. That's right. Yeah. 
We're playing after touchdowns in Soldier Field. If you're having fun out there in the South Lot, you're enjoying the tailgating, getting ready for today's game. Have a great time on this Christmas Eve. The weather is perfect. Uh, yeah, but deep internet research. The Cardinals have a lot of songs that date back to the 40s. Could not find any of them anywhere on the internet. You'd figure that every every like song now is archived somewhere. You would think. YouTube. Maybe Spotify. I'm the only one that wants to look for this stuff. Yeah, maybe you it, are. It's possible. I, I, I find great enjoyment in going back in the, the history of the National Football League. And the Cardinals, who were once the Chicago Cardinals, are one of the oldest teams in the National Football League. And a little tip of the cap, a little helmet sticker for the Cardinals. Yeah, I wonder if like during the move it just got lost in the shuffle during the move. Like They didn't pack that record in with the for the stadium music or they lost the sheet music for it. <laughs> I don't know what happened to it. Mike in Glenview, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Mike? Uh, well, happy holidays, gentlemen. Happy holidays. Um, I, I, it always seems, and I've been here listening to people, just bad rap and bad rap. Uh, it's if the quarterback is the exclusive reason for why the Bears um, are, are losing or not performing well. Everyone says, well, yeah, they, the offensive line made mistakes. Or, or, yeah, that guy dropped the ball. But it's really Justin Fields' fault. And I'm thinking, okay. Let's trade Justin Fields and just play this out. Okay. We give him to someone where he will probably thrive as long as they have a better offensive line than the, the woeful line the Bears have, number one. Number two, we're stuck for another three, four, five, six years seeing if the new quarterback we got is, A, going to fit in with the system because they're clearly not going to develop a system for the quarterback. We've seen that in Chicago for years, and B, um, what if this quarterback is pretty much the same as Justin Fields? We yeah. spent all that time and said, and some of us are getting older, and we want to see something happen. So, for the just for the heck of it, why not get a couple of great offensive linemen and start the draft off that way, and see if things develop with a, a new offensive coordinator or an old offensive doesn't matter just let justin run and throw the ball and uh, and let's have a merry christmas let's have a merry christmas All thank, right, thank mike. you mike appreciate you uh there is definitely a case of the uh quarterback fomo going around town mm-hmm. a lot of people i think my perception is that their only theory on what the bears need to do a quarterback is because they they're afraid of missing out on the next great quarterback they don't want to uh, fix what's here. They don't want to give it time. They don't want to have patience. The only thought is, well, what if the next guy's great? What if Caleb Williams is Patrick Mahomes? What if Drake May is Justin Herbert? And and they don't want it. The fear of missing out on that next great quarterback is driving the conversation. And I I feel like everyone just wants to kind of give up on Justin Fields. I will say this, though. If, if you could look into the future and you could tell me that Caleb Williams – his career will be exactly like Justin Fields or Drake May. His career will be exactly like Justin Fields. You have to move on. You have to move on to the next guy just be, for financial reasons. You have to move on. Yeah, I, I could I could understand that. Um, I think with Caleb Williams, what's interesting is his flaws are the same flaws we look at with Fields. Holds on to the football too long. Uh, extends plays, but sometimes to the detriment of the team because he is uh, likely to get strip-sacked fumble, uh, throw bad picks when he's trying to improvise. He does make some great plays, 
But if, if you really sit down and watch USC football from last year, when you see the highlights, ask yourself this. Who's guarding these wide receivers who have like 15 yards of open field around them? Like a, a, but you can a say survival that bubble? most quarterbacks sure. in college. Yeah, but, but that's why you. I have a more tempered response to how great I think Caleb Williams could be because I've seen the games where he's not playing well or they have to play from behind and he's throwing a blank fit on the sidelines at the coach because he wanted to sub in a running back for a third down play and it didn't fit what Caleb wanted to do, so he's throwing a fit. And yelling at everyone, like that stuff's not in the highlight package. Mm-hmm. USC didn't win a lot of games last year. It's not it's not entirely his fault, but he wasn't good this year. I the highlights show him making great plays. Usually in like the ones against Colorado, the, no one was playing defense in that game. Right. And I think but there were also games like against UCLA, that's a top twenty defense, and he was making some really he impressive made some nice throws, yes. Made some nice throws. And again, they didn't win a lot of games. Seven and five, there's a reason why they were one of the biggest disappointments in the sport. I apologize, by the way, as you strut around in your Trojan sweatshirt today. But I, I do think though that their season's over. A lot of the the fault of that USC team was you had an absolute ole defense, and Caleb knew his only chance to win was we have to score at least forty two points tonight. Otherwise, we have next to no chance. And that might very well be it. I, I'm not going to argue mm-hmm. you on that. Um, so maybe he did take more chances knowing that. I I just don't know if can he be great. He certainly could, can be. I don't know if he's the guy you want if your franchise isn't set up to win right now. I don't know if he's the guy that's going to put everyone on his back and say, come on, follow along with me. We're going to lead to the promised land. I don't know. We'll continue talking about this. Bears football, Bears and Cardinals at 325. We're 30 minutes away from the pregame show. Black and Ox. ESPN Chicago. Chicago.